Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. This podcast is brought to you by FinPro Search Partners, the executive search form for the insurtech industry on an international basis. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to hear a bit more about our recruitment services, please visit www.wearefinpro.com. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, this is not your usual leadership and insurance podcast, but this is luckily your usual host, Alex Bond. Um, thank you for being with us over the Christmas period. Um, I'd love to say that um, you uh, should have better things to do, but I hope you're having a lovely time, however you celebrate this time of year. Um, we did a talk for um, the great guys at Future Processing, and this was a, I was asked to talk about talent retention and talent attraction. Um, and I said... I don't know a lot about a retention, but I know quite a lot about attraction and the reason that people tell you they leave, um, which leads us to a few things about what we should do about retaining talent. So we put together this presentation um, and I did a little talk, which I thought would be interesting to share. So if you want to know about retaining and attracting your best talent, um, then this is what you should be listening to. The talk is called Treating Talent as a Customer. I hope you enjoy it. Funnily enough, you found another guy in recruitment who talks too much. So um, I'll, I'll try and whip through this and we'll get to the actual kind of meat on the bone. Um, we were talking, I was asked to do a talk about, you know, attracting talent and retaining talent. Um, and, you know, this is kind of starting off my premise of my conjecture that we don't treat talent um, as a customer. Um, and I find that odd, uh, particularly in the kind of context of where we're working today, when we're talking about innovation and insurance. Um, everything is talking about the customer and oh gone back the other way and we're not doing that um and so what i sort of i mean by that is to say that you know if we operate in a market where we have largely homogenous products like insurance then you know why are some businesses more successful than others why do some businesses innovate better than others um, and why are companies winning the innovation race and why are you not winning the innovation race? Those are around this table, or, or maybe you are, uh, but if you are, then what are you doing here? You've got other things to do. Talent for the purposes of this kind of um, presentation is what we're gonna use. I'm not that keen on the term talent. You know, we're talking about people, we're talking about human beings. I think sometimes when we talk about talent, we sort of put that in a kind of different bracket. But if talent is a differentiator, um, talent is therefore our customer. Um, and my conjecture is that we don't treat um, talent as the customer. So why do people leave? I mean. When I was asked to talk about retention, I said, well, I'm a headhunter, so I don't know that much about retaining talent. Um, in, in fact, it's kind of anti my business to be good at retaining talent. But um, I talked to a lot of people about why they leave businesses. Um, and it's rarely money, um, or it's not always money, let's say. Let's, uh, let's say that. These are the key things that people bring up. Greater challenges, more responsibility, more exciting stories. Terrible bosses is the number one reason people leave. Um, we all know that. We've all probably got some horror stories about um, those. <laughs> and if we have some time at the end, they're always quite good to share. So let's do that. Um, apart from Jamie, because he used to work for me. Um, but this is why people are leaving. You know, we talk about portfolio careers. Um, we talk about more flexibility. And I don't just mean working from home. I think we now know that working from home, working flexibly is, is now a given, right? Well, that's what we accept, expect. So... You know, really what we want is the chance for people to play to their strengths. So this is Tom Peters, who's a, who's a writer on excellence. I'm not entirely sure what that means either, but um, uh, I thought it was a good quote, so we'll go with it. Um, no sports team in the world says you've had a great season. Why don't you come to the back office and manage? 
This is particularly common in insurance, I would say, but also in technology. You take your best people. Um, underwriting, this is very common. Best underwriter, then you make them a manager. Well, being a manager and being a good underwriter are not the same skill set. Uh, and I'd imagine it's the same in development as well. So you've got your best developer, you make them a manager of people. Skill sets are not the same. Um, so we need to give people opportunities to play to their strengths. This for me is the sort of, this is a bit of a name and shame and I was getting a bit nervous because I've name and shamed two companies quite heavily here. Um, I was waiting for someone from that company to be here, but they're not, so we're in a good safe space for me anyway. Um, when we talk about attracting talent, um, I think we see ourselves as the customer because we think we're buying in that talent. We're, we're acquiring that talent and that's the way we talk about it. But if we're in ta talent short markets, um, and I was speaking to a guy yesterday, and this is a US figure, but the US, there are two million open engineering roles, like two million. So there is nowhere near enough people, talented people, to go and work for organisations. So if we know that to be true, why on earth would we think we're the customer? And why would we present the kind of job opportunities of companies like we're the customer? And I'll sort of demonstrate what you mean. So this is Chaucer's website. It's a beautiful website, I recommend it. It's a really nice looking thing. Um, on this website, my job all day is to hunt down leads for opportunities for people to work with. So I know where careers pages are, um, I can usually tell you. Um, so you, you, you pull up you know, the menu and then you scroll down to almost the bottom on the about section and, and, and it's purposely small because that's how small it appears. Then you click on careers um, and then it brings up this page. Um, <laughs> And then if you see really small, there's a hyperlink on the currencies here bit. Um, you have to click that to get to the vacancies. Um, and then it produces this very sexy looking page. Um, so, and, and just in case you go to me, Alex, but no one uses their website anymore to attract talent. You go, oh, no, you're right. Most people are on LinkedIn in the professional context. This is their LinkedIn page. This is the jobs they have listed. Um, and as we can see from the previous page, there was a job posted when I did this yesterday. There was a job posted live uh, and, and one four days ago, but according to LinkedIn, there were no jobs at Chaucer. So if that's a customer journey, if we take the customer journey off that, one, it's poor, too many clicks, too difficult, too much being asked of the customer. And secondly, we're giving out poor information and we're not going to where our customers are. Um, uh, I, I did a talk once about, you know, um, uh, if a tree falls, uh, does it make any sound? And, and the, the, the answer is no, actually, apparently, scientifically, because uh, sound is vibration of the inside the ear. So if an ear isn't vibrating, then there is no sound. Um, so it's a good answer to that question if you ever get asked it. Um, <laughs> but the point being that you need to go where the people are. And I'm not saying that LinkedIn is the ubiquitous place people are. If you're talking about engineering talent, we know they're probably not just there. But if you're not going to those places, then you're not getting that talent. And I'm, they're definitely the best talent is not trawling Chaucer's website. Um, and I could have picked on anyone. I literally, this is, this is how bad it is. I at random said, Chaucer, let's go and look at that website. And I pulled that up. It could have been anywhere. Um, and just to say it couldn't be, it could have been anywhere. This is AIG. This is a website. Uh, this is a, sorry, job description, job advert. Um, Job advert is the key thing I'm going to say here. This is an advert. This is something that is going to lure in the customer. Um, who are we? We're AIG. If you're a qualified 
experienced underwriter and you don't know who AIG is, I, I, I don't know what you're doing on this application page. Um, so I don't think we need that first paragraph. Get to know the business, basically tells you what insurance is. Uh, again, I think we're probably already there. Um, and then about the role, what we need to know is a list of things that we demand from you. So the point being, this isn't an advert. And, and also, does it tell you how much you're going to get paid for your efforts? Um, we know that the percentage chance of people applying for jobs where they have no advertised uh, salary and compensation is very, very low as well. So as an advert, I don't know what I'm getting as a customer. I don't know what I'm paying for it um, or going to receive as a benefit. So I think that's, you know, uh, it's clear that we need to think like marketeers. I often describe my job as a headhunter as a basically one-to-one hand-to-hand marketing person. I'm going out and I'm telling your story for you. And if we say that marketing is the activity or processes of creating communicating value, I don't think we're doing it. Are we creating value? Are we communicating value? Are we delivering value for talent? And my conjecture is absolutely not. New talent, we talk about a lot. We're in this state of innovation in the insurance industry. I think it's fair to say that everyone around this room knows enough about the sort of state of innovation in either technology as a broader sense or, or in the insurance industry to say that new talent means new talent pools. If we're bringing in, let's say, so I started doing a lot of data science recruitment about 10 years ago. When we started doing data science recruitment, there were no data scientists in insurance. Um, I mean, I placed RSA's first head of uh, data science, which is a humble brag, but um, we had to go looking outside of that. So we went looking at, you know, whether it be similar industries, we looked at credit cards and banking, and eventually they pulled someone that worked for Hilton Hotel chain, and they'd previously been at Google. And the idea was to think differently. So we have to look in new pools. How do we get an edge on people? People that think differently add something to your organisation. We know that. The studies show that, and there's some data on this slide later that will say that. But um, even the best people, even if they look like the people internally, they think differently. And I would argue always that the best people think differently. That's why they're the best. Um, there's some statistics here. And I think this is important because we know this stuff. And that's what drives me a bit potty about it. We know that diverse companies are more cash flow. They have better revenue. They have higher profits. We know that diverse companies are more likely to catch a new markets. And the figures there are staggering. If we talk about innovation, innovative insurance companies, insurtechs, you're 70% more likely to capture a new market and you're innovating in insurance. That's the talent you want. So, um, and, and, and gender diverse teams at the bottom, they're 15% more likely to outperform industry returns. There are more women in insurance than men. Um, it's pretty close, uh, but, it's, but it's slightly more women, but there are much less women in, in senior leadership roles, as we know. So what can we do practically? Um, I've got more on this, if anyone wants to kind of get this from me. So this is what we always advise from clients. If they say to us, how do we actually implement diversity, equity, inclusion into our hiring strategy? What can we do today? And these are kind of some of the best things that we can do. Pick one metric is, I think, a key thing. You can't, you can't reinvent your organisation. So you might say that we want to you know, have a more gender diverse team or we want more women in senior positions. Pick that metric and you can work on that and then you can kind of evolve that um, over time. Rewording job postings is hugely important. Um, job postings, job adverts, I've already made my advert point, I won't make it again, but 
Um, we know statistically that women are less likely to apply for roles unless they have 100% of the skill sets. Men are something like, once we see 50% of the words we're looking for, we'll apply. Um, <laughs> read into that what you will. Um, but the point that makes is that rather than putting this huge list of, of wants and needs from someone, do that, but then strip it back. You know, what are the minimum requirements? And then keep, keep that as open as possible because you can always filter out over time. Um, show the existing diversity or diversity you aspire to. I think this is where insurance has a problem. Um, we don't have particularly diverse teams in insurance. That doesn't mean that all of your kind of advertising. We, we had a guy on the, on, the, on the podcast who runs a Latinx um, insurance operation in the US. It's been incredibly successful because he, it, it's for Hispanic people in the US, of which there are, it's a bigger market than the UK insurance market. So their wordings are in Spanish. Their call centers speak Spanish as the first language. He's not doing anything differently. He's just presenting to, to the people that he's trying to target. And you can do the same with your businesses when you're trying to attract talent. Um, flexibility to remote working we've discussed. You know, pre-hire assessment, blind hiring, all of these things are things that you could just put in place as a procedure. Um, but we do have to commit to them. The amount of times I've asked about people doing blind hiring, which for, for, for clarity is removing all things like where you went to school, gender, you know, age, um, taking everything off so we're just left with what has this person done. Um, people like to talk about it. They don't like to commit to it. Uh, and, and I think this is about being brave. Um, employer branding plays a huge part in this. Um, now, I've used this very cheesy slide that we've all seen before. Um, the reason I said this is that I think when we talk about employer branding, we think about the whole organisation, the AIGs, the Chaucer's, the top-down, that's, that's what we're looking at. Um, I don't think it needs to be as big as that. I think you can take a kind of team-by-team, person-by-person basis. So, you know, how do you make an insurance technology team exciting to go to look to work at the insurance bit isn't going to draw the engineers in but what you're doing might be incredibly exciting you might be working with artificial intelligence you might be working with new automation technology you know if you think about key from brit algorithmic driven underwriting that's an interesting challenge if you said you want to come and work for brit insurance it's a different sell so why i sort of said it's kind of needs you is is that i thought there was more Good that there isn't, isn't it? Um, sorry about that. Why I was at means you is, is bringing it onto an individual level. Um, I do know there's some challenges here from top down. So you're going to have like some rules and what you can and can't say. But I would encourage people to say, look, look we know LinkedIn is a place for people. Look, we know places like you know, you know GitHub are places places where you find engineering talent. Make your people famous or allow them to make themselves famous. Put some personality out there, and that does mean putting themselves out there on LinkedIn. The most likely people to be able to identify talent for your team is people in your team. Um, the most likely pool of diverse talent is from that particular diversity you're trying to attract. So it's about bringing it down. You don't have to have a kind of employer brand and then not have one for your team. You can make your team exciting, but that does involve us getting out there and doing talks and networking and proactively doing that. So that's why I've said it means you, because I know that the pushback I've had in the past is said, well, you know, C-suite won't allow me to do that. I don't think you need that permission, personally. 
I think you can make it smaller than that. And then if you give your team a personality, if you give your people a personality, then people coming into the business don't see this big brand, they see these people. And people join people, people leave people. Um, but anyway, I promised I wouldn't talk forever, so I'll, um, I'll stop there. Any questions? Oh, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. As ever, this is brought to you by FinPro Search Partners, the executive search firm for the insurtech industry on an international basis. If you want to find out more about what we do from a recruitment standpoint, please visit www.wearefinpro.com.